So anytime I can listen to Charlie Munger talk, I try to take advantage of that. He's one of my favorite thinkers, but not only that, it's undoubtedly almost any entrepreneur or founder or investor that, that is alive today um, usually like looks up to him and, and kind of tries to learn from him. Um, and I especially want to do this one today because I just finished reading uh, 54 years of the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder letters that are written by Warren Buffett. Um, it's by far the largest podcast I've ever done. It's on the the Founders Misfit feed. If you're not a misfit yet and you are interested in in um, in signing up or you've been thinking about it, now's probably a good time to do it because that podcast I think is over three hours long. The book I read, obviously, as you could expect, 54 years of shareholder letters. It's like seven to eight hundred pages, but it was the size of a textbook. It was uh, it was really interesting. And the reason I related to what what's happening today is because Warren in it explicitly talks about how much he's learned and benefited from his association with Charlie Munger. So my question um, to everybody else would be, well, if Warren Buffett is learning from Charlie Munger, why wouldn't you? And this is just a great example. Before I get into the notes, though, I'd recommend reading, <laughs> watching the whole video if you just want to see somebody that's completely outmatched uh, in, in intellect and wit. Um, this was a very one-sided interview with Charlie Munger. I, I felt like there's a lot of times where he's listening to the, these questions. He's like, who is this idiot that's sitting across from me? Um, so let me just jump into some of the, uh, into the notes I took and some of the stuff that I wanted to remember. So he's, he's uh, giving this interview right after the, the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting, which is kind of known as like the Woodstock for capitalists. Tens of thousands of people travel all over the world to go to Omaha just to listen to Charlie and Warren speak. And so he talks about that. He says, what I love about the shareholder meeting is both the employees um, and shareholders of Berkshire are extremely enthusiastic. It is not just that they have made a lot of money. They feel like they are on the right side. It is like a cult, a good cult. And I think any, uh, like any brand, like, and I do very much consider like Warren Buffett and, and Berkshire and Munger, like uh, one of the top business brands. If you think about how influential they have been on the thinking of so many other entrepreneurs, investors over time, um, I do think most great companies, great brands are cult-like. Uh, and and ho hopefully if you obviously build something like that, it's a positive cult. And, you know, I've learned a lot from both Warren and Charlie. I mean, I keep doing freaking podcasts on them <laughs> and I have a bunch more in the future lined up. So I definitely uh, do think that, um, you know, I, I feel I'm a part of their their positive cult. Um, so it says when people use the word common sense, what they mean is uncommon sense. The standard human condition is ignorance and stupidity. So that's, you know, if you're familiar with Charlie Munger, that's that's something that you would expect to have him come out of his mouth. Um, I, I personally agree with that. I do think that um, we seem to be a large percentage of our species seems to be blissfully unaware of our, the limitations of, of our knowledge. Um, I've heard this described as epistemic arrogance. Um, so I think what Charlie and, and Warren have going for them is they understand how complex the world is and they realize that they only need to know, they call it the circle of competence, which is what I talked about a lot because uh, Warren writes about it a lot in his, in his shareholder letters. And he's like, listen, we just figure out what we're good at and it's a small circle and we damn sure stay in that, inside that circle. And so they're, they're talking about, you know, you can have, you can achieve great success over time if you, if, um, if you invest the time and you let everything compound, 
but you're not you're less likely to achieve that success by trying to be brilliant. We're not trying to be brilliant. We're just trying to not do dumb things. And I think in a complex world, that's the the smartest move. So he says, uh, why is it that people can't? He's asked the question. Why is it that people can't think clearly about investing or other decisions in their life? And Charlie's answer made me chuckle. He says they don't think very well about sex or gambling either. The standard human condition is a lot of miscognition. I don't even think that's a word, by the way, <laughs> but he uses it. He says you can improve your life by eliminating your miscognition. So that's another way to say don't try to be brilliant. Just try to avoid doing dumb things. Uh, the economy sometimes booms and sometimes it doesn't. You have to live through both episodes. Our attitude is we just keep swimming. And um, this is, again, something I'm fresh on because I've just spent the last eight or nine days completely entrenched in all these shareholder letters where you see over 54 years, they're running a company that has to deal with every single possible macroeconomic environment that you can, that you could think of. And it just doesn't matter. Like they just focused on what their goals were and kept moving forward. They knew they couldn't control. And it's, it, you're going to have ups and booms in the economy where he, what he's talking about. And sometimes you're going to have depressions or recessions or uh, inflationary periods, all the different stuff that's happened to Berkshire. It doesn't matter. You just keep swimming. Um, he's, he's asked this question on like, uh, they talked a lot about politics. I left most of that out of, um, the notes because it doesn't really apply to what we're trying to learn about, but he did say something that was interesting. He says, some people now say federal debt is not a problem at all. Charlie's answer. If you believe that, then you believe in the tooth fairy. Cause then we don't have to have any taxes. We can just print money and live happily ever after. There comes a point where printing money is counterproductive. Um, and then, you know, him being 95, he's seen a lot. So he says, if you live long enough, a lot, if you live long enough, a lot of good things happen and a lot of bad things happen. So he always talks about it's, it's necessary for you to react with equanimity to the ups and downs of life, uh, most of which are out of your control, but you can't control how you react. So just expect if you're going to survive any period of time, you're going to experience bad things and you're going to experience good things. Don't get too excited about the good things and don't let the bad things get you down. Um, he's asked the question, are Apple and Amazon technology companies or brand companies? Charlie says they're both. He says, I can't think of a single example in my own life where keeping it simple has worked against us. Uh, continuing that, f that theme, he says, I would say that the chief advantage Berkshire has had in accumulating a good record is that we have avoided pompous bureaucratic systems. We give power to very talented people and let them make very quick decisions. In big bureaucracies, they think the work is, they think the work is done when you get the work out of your inbox and into someone else's. Um, that is not getting it done. Uh, that is not getting it done. If everybody is in a big committee meeting all the time, you are worn out at the end of the day and you haven't done anything. So he talked about like what is what is actually like what is work and what's f what I call fake work. Um, if uh, big committee meetings are my idea of fake work, if we find things that are intelligent to do, we do it. So he's talking about like again going back to keeping it simple. He's like if we find things that are intelligent to do, we do it. If we can't find anything, we let the cash build up. What the hell is wrong with that? Again, that's what he means. Like he's like people would say, have common sense. If you just sit and try to be rational, and discipline your thinking, like you're, these are not that difficult. What are the other alternatives? There's no other investment opportunities that we feel we understand. They're outside of our circle of competence. What do you want us to do? We have a bunch of profitable businesses. Let's just cash sit there. I I, I just I love the way like he just cuts his his thinking is so clear. He just cuts right to the heart of the issue. Talks about some of his big misses in investing. I'm ashamed of missing Google. Google. We could have seen it. We could have seen it if we looked at our own companies. We could have seen it if we looked at our own companies uh, that their advertising, meaning Google's advertising, was working way better than other advertising. We weren't paying enough attention. 
Um, he says, I'm a huge admirer of Jeff Bezos. I think he has been a leader all by himself, similar to Lee Kuan Yew, which is the considering the founding father of Singapore. Charlie holds Singapore and the way they're running the company, country in very high regard. He said multiple times in this interview that he wishes that the United States leaders would copy a lot of things that Singapore's doing. Uh, he says, Jeff Bezos is a perfectly amazing human leader. Question, what do you think of the tech unicorns going public and not having any profitability? Answer, there are a lot of things I don't think about, and one of them is companies that are losing billions of dollars a year and going public. It is not my scene. Um, and then he talks about, like, you know, you have, a, you have all these famous zingers and quips, and you're, you're known for quick wit at these shareholder meetings. Like, are you writing this stuff down? Are you planning in advance? He's like, no, of course not. And I agree with him on this point. I think the shareholder meetings work best because they are spontaneous. If we were scripting things, I don't think people would like it. In my own life, I always talk about the, the, own, the content that I consume. It's usually not scripted. Ever since I've been uh, fell in love with podcasts and YouTube and all the different kind of uh, like new media stuff that's available, it's really hard to go back to to, to watching script heavily scripted series, um, or even like going back and looking like I saw um, an episode or in the back it was playing in the background of like Friends and hearing like a laugh track. Right? It just seems so fake. So I agree with what he's saying. If if things are scripted, I don't I like them less. I like the technology gives us the ability to like have one-sided uh, conversations with people or even if you're listening to a podcast and there's two or three people on it like it's just better when it's not when you know they're not reading from a script and I'll close on this this is one of my favorite um, he, stories about Mozart that he that he uses as well so he says I think my way of thinking will work for anyone I'm trying to be very rational and disciplined I'm always being visited by young men who say things like I'm practicing law and I don't like it I'd rather be a billionaire how do I do it I tell him a story about Mozart. One man came to Mozart and asked him how to write a symphony. Mozart replied, you're too young to write a symphony. The man said, but you were writing symphonies when you were 10 years of age and I am 21. Mozart said, yes, but I didn't run, I didn't run around asking people how to do it. So his points there is that you're not going to learn by copying people. You, you take my basic ideas and principles and apply it to something new. But the idea that you could start a new Berkshire today, just like they did, those opportunities are gone. Take their lessons, take their learnings, and apply it to something new.